the blast from our past network. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Warner Herzog's documentary, My Best Fiend. Ich bin nicht der offizielle Kirchenjesus. Er war nicht ganz normal, aggressiv. Vom Charakter her war er diabolisch. Wir waren zusammen ja wie zwei kritische Massen, die eine gefährliche Mischung ergaben, wenn sie in Berührung kamen. Los, machen Sie die Kamera und drehen den Scheiß bei Das werde ich nicht tun, Herr Kinski. Ich entfernte ihn darauf aus dieser Einstellung. Kinski tobte. Ich sei größenwahnsinnig geworden. Ich sagte ihm darauf, dann sind wir jetzt eben zu zweit. Was war der Grund, dass ich mir das antat? It's crazy. It's crazy. That's why we work together. Wir gehörten zusammen. Wir waren bereit, miteinander unterzugehen. Egozentrisch ist wahrscheinlich gar nicht das richtige Wort. Er war richtiggehend egomanisch. Die Erde, über die ich gehe, sieht mich und bet mir nach. Und er schrie stundenlang auf mich ein, aber so dicht an meinem Gesicht. Kinski wollte mich gegen meinen eigenen Irrsinn schützen. Er war sehr, sehr lieb mit mir auch damals und hat mich geküsst und hat mich ganz lang gehalten und war ganz, ganz aufgelöst und sehr gerührt auch. Das Einzige, was zählte, war, was letztlich auf der Leinwand zu sehen war. Nature is erotic. It's vile. It's asphyxiation and fornication and growing and rotting away. The birds are in misery. The bees are in misery. Harmony of overwhelming and collective murder. That was a line from Walt Disney's The Little Mermaid, everybody. <laughs> JK, LOL. JK, LOL. Uh, welcome to Podcasting After Dark. I am one half of the pad team, Sexy Z. <laughs> and joining me as always is Sleazy C. Corey, what's happening, dude? Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. Oh, is that from Mandalorian? You know, you've seen The Mandalorian. Don't act like I, you I haven't seen it. I don't know. Uh, if you're wondering what the hell we're talking about, well... Why would you wonder that? You saw it in the show notes and in the <laughs> description. It's a picture of Werner Herzog and Klaus Kinski. We are talking about 1999's My Best Fiend, directed by Werner Herzog. It's a documentary. This is the second uh, episode of our docu-series that we're doing for the month of August. You previously listened to the documentary Lost Soul about Richard Stanley's failed attempt at making The Island of Dr. Moreau. That was Corey's pick, which I think is very appropriate because I know Corey is a big fan of Richard Stanley's hardware specifically, uh, maybe not his over and color out of space too. Um, and I am a huge fan of Warner Herzog. My 
history with Herzog. Um, I, you know, I went to film school, like at community college and, 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 and regular UC college back in the day. I uh, took a lot of film classes and watched a lot of Herzog films back in the day. Uh, and Aguirre, Wrath of God, one of his first movies he ever made, stood out to me like uh, like a nail in the eyeball of your best friend's brain. What? <laughs> uh, and it just stayed with me. And it's one of my all-time favorite films on many for many reasons, and I'll get into that later. And I've always been fascinated with Warner Herzog. I think he's a, a one of the greatest directors of all time, but a, but a true uh, kook. <laughs> and just like Richard Stanley is on many levels, these guys are these guys are wacky artists to the highest degree. And what they do with their films and their style of filmmaking, I think, is very unique. And that's why I chose this documentary to to talk about today. But Corey, do you have any relationship with Warner Herzog's films outside of his acting in uh, The Mandalorian? <laughs> um, I've seen Nosferatu uh, with Koskinski. I, too, went to film school. I went to Towson University, uh, same school that produced uh, John Glover, you know, from the movie Scrooged, um, also Amy Schumer. But probably right now the most relevant is Mike Flanagan. Uh, I did all the film classes. I think I went the same program that Mike Flanagan did. I think I was maybe about a semester or so above him. So he might have actually been there when I was there. I didn't know him. But my point is... I didn't watch any Werner Herzog films in, in college. They didn't show them to us. Wow. I instead watched Double Indemnity like three times and fell asleep <laughs> through two of them. Um, but I did see, uh, like I said, the Nosferatu one way back in the day to the point where I kind of, I mean, I barely remember it. It was I was on a kick at that time. I, was, I watched, you know, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari and stuff like that. I was just on this like sort of old school German horror kick and everything. Uh, but outside of that, you know, I know the name Werner Herzog. Everybody knows it, or at least if you're a cinemaphile, you do. So when I'm going through his IMDb, I am shocked at how little I've actually seen. But after watching this movie, My Best Fiend, I absolutely want to watch every movie they discuss in it because it they all seem fascinating but as does Klaus Kinski. Yeah, yeah. So so before we get into the Kinski factor, um <laughs> uh yeah, Werner Herzog is a prolific director. He he did five movies with Klaus Kinski, which we'll talk about in a minute, but he's done a lot of documentaries as well. Uh, most recently he did one called The Grizzly Man which was uh, got a lot of critical praise, really good documentary about a very interesting dude. He, he takes very interesting subject matters. Uh, he has a very interesting perspective. He's, he's often parodied for his kind of like his calm disdain for things, you know, like he, he has a love hate relationship with nature and he talks about that in this documentary. Um, but yeah, Werner is still very, very much alive. I think he has a book that is coming out or it just came out talking about his career. He was just here in Santa Monica doing a retrospective on all his movies, which is awesome. Um, the guy is a is a true auteur. Like he, there's no one like him at all. 
if you literally look in the dictionary and you look up auteur, it's Warner Herzog. It is him. Yes, we love John Carpenter, but it's Warner Herzog is the the god auteur. Yeah, he has a very specific style that just uh, drew me in. He does these long shots that just sit with with um, and it's it's very purposeful. He talks about that in the documentary. Uh, in particular, I'm just going to really quickly just say this about Aguirre Wrath of God, the first movie he did with Klaus Kinski. Uh, there's a shot of the Andes Mountains, and there are these—he uh, wanted—he argued with Klaus because Klaus wanted a close-up shot of his face in the beginning of the movie. Instead, he focuses the camera on this mountain, and you see as the, the clouds kind of part from the side of this mountain, you see— uh, dozens of people going up this mountain as a part of this expedition, the main kind of plot of the movie. And it's so fascinating because it's like the, the camera just sits there on this image and tells so much of a story just in these, by not doing anything. It's really yeah. beautiful. Uh, Aguirre Wrath of God is the top of my list of what I want to see of his. Yeah, it, you should see that. It looks that. awesome. You should see that, and and you know to to piggyback a little bit on um, Marlon Brando, uh, and no no pun intended with the piggyback uh, that he, <laughs> um, uh, he, you know, obviously he was in Apocalypse Now. Francis Ford Coppola was heavily influenced by A Geary Wrath of God. Okay, okay, okay. But yeah, so so this so um, Herzog made this documentary in '99 about his relationship with Klaus Kinski, the actor Klaus Kinski. You may know Klaus Kinski from a lot of uh, different... I mean, the guy has actually been in countless movies. Um, he is somewhat of a cult... Is, would you say it's, a, it's safe to say he's a cult figure? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He's He's been in um, well over 200 movies. He passed away in, I think, 1991. He's He's been in everything from spaghetti westerns. He was in this amazing spaghetti western called The Great Silence, which I highly recommend. Uh, it may show up later on in the year on pad, perhaps. <laughs> and I just saw him uh, probably about seven months ago. I watched uh, Creature, a.k.a. Titan Find, 1985, uh, for the first, first time, and uh, he was in that as well. Yeah, he's been in everything from... German films, uh, Italian spaghetti westerns, to mainstream uh, American movies as well. He's been all over the place. His his daughter is Natasha Kinski, uh, by the way. She from Cat People, uh, and so he. Th- this documentary is about Warner's relationship with Klaus, but also a little bit about Warner Herzog as well as a filmmaker. I was going to originally ch- choose a movie called Burden of Dreams. It's a documentary. Uh, that came out, I believe, in 1982, about, but that's specifically about one movie that Herzog made, Fitzcarraldo, and all the bullshit that went on in Fitzcarraldo. <laughs> Which they but discuss in this movie. They do. There are some clips from Burden of Dreams, and if you if you want to know about that, go watch the documentary and then go watch Fitzcarraldo. But this documentary kind of talks about where they started. Uh, to where it ended, their relationship ended. And it's very fascinating. It opens with Klaus Kinski screaming at an audience. 
screaming from his like a uh a, a weird sort of stage tour thing that he was doing where he was act he was playing Jesus but yes. yet it's just him yelling at people he's not like in a costume or anything it's it was really weird really weird um it, it's captivating because you're like what the hell is going on they kind of explain later on in the documentary the context for what it is uh this is classic Herzog by the way because it's like you, you open with something and you're like what's going on here and you eventually get it down the road yeah. um that's what happens throughout this most of this documentary and uh and then from there you jump to present time and Herzog at his like childhood home in Germany and he's interviewing uh, the, the now owners of this home who have renovated this place substantially. And apparently Herzog was living with like like uh, eight other people in this in this in this uh, in this flat. And he meets Kinski for the first time. And he meets Kinski when he's very young, like a teenager. And Kinski was living in a room when in an attic when he, in an attic with no furniture, but leaves, uh, like two feet of leaves, basically, in in the attic. And he was kind of totally naked, always, screaming and, and just doing all sorts of weird shit. And you're like, I mean, that alone, clearly Kinski has mental issues. Like, it's clear. The guy was either bipolar or something. Yeah, and and you know we're we're no authorities. We can't we you know speak on that. But I'm I'm with you. He 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 obviously had some sort of issue. Um, right out of the gate though, like with the beginning, you you talking about uh, Warner Herzog talking or interviewing the people who own the house now. You know you hear so much about you know the gruff exterior of Warner Herzog. Right away though. You can tell how warm he is. Um, I don't know if it's the people that are like not in the industry or something, but he—I don't know. He was—he seemed—it's almost like he seemed warm to everybody when he's not shooting. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. Like maybe when he's shooting is when he's you know becomes like what he becomes and what everybody sort of knows him as. But all the other times, I was taken aback by how warm and sort of nice and approachable he seemed. Yeah, yeah, you know, he he has a reputation as a filmmaker to be um, very uh, well, risk-taking to the point where people have died on set. Or, we'll or also unflappable, like he, he doesn't, he stands his ground, he, he, you know what I mean, with what his vision is and everything. Yeah, yeah, and, and you who know. Who died, he, by the way? Well, who died on what set? Oh, and Fitz, Fitz Corraldo. Okay, so, okay. So Fitz, yeah, so really quick, just jumping ahead, he made a movie called, he makes this movie called Fitzcarraldo with Klaus Kinski. Um, the movie is about a a, a, um, a, a man, man who wants to bring opera to the natives, I guess, or whatever native jungle people. Yeah, so he so he has this grand idea to take like a riverboat and pull it over a mountain. Well, Herzog wanted to recreate this this actual thing because it's happened. based on a true story. It's based on a true story. And he recreated it. And at one point, the uh, the the logs that were pulling the boat the boat up the mountain collapsed, and some people died. Wow. So, so uh, yeah. So he so that he's got that going for him. And uh, but you know, 
he's interviewing, yeah, he's talking to the family at this home and he's telling them wild stories about Herzog, all the crazy things Herzog, or sorry, he's telling wild stories about Kinski, all the crazy things Kinski has been doing while they know him, while they've known him. Like, uh, you know, someone said, uh, you know, you're very good in this or something like that. And he's like, I was excellent. And he like screams at them. Right. And, and you can see the look of shock on this couple's face. They don't know what to do because Herzog has a tone about him. That's very calm and very even keeled in one note. And he's telling these crazy stories about a madman who practically could kill someone if he wanted to. And they're just like, what the fuck is going on here? And you you, you know that they know who Klaus Kinski is and everything because he was such a big name, especially in Germany, because they they were German. But also at the same time, yeah, Werner Herzog downloaded a lot of information into their brains (laughs) that they were clearly not ready for. No, no, not at all, not at all. And and you from there you kind of jump ahead to his first project he did with Kinski, which is Agiri Wrath of God. Up until that point, Herzog describes what Kinski did as an actor that immediately draw drew him in a movie that he did in Ger- uh, Germany back in the day. It's a really fascinating kind of moment uh, to identify that spark that Herzog saw in Kinski, like, oh, that's the guy I want to work with because of this one little moment in a movie, which is really, really cool. But he oh, goes on to make... Yeah, a... the, um, the, the movie, uh, I actually wrote it down. I, I found that interesting as well. It's called Sons, Mothers, and a General, um, 1955. And because they, they show the scene multiple times, they actually like loop it, they repeat it. Yes. And it was like when Klaus Kinski was like waking up from, at a table, like from a nap yeah. or something. But he was like, but even Warner Herzog was like, his memory inflated the scene maybe more than it maybe was originally. Um, even he admits that. But for some reason, that was literally the moment that, that he was like, this is my guy. You know, this is who I want. Yeah, yeah. And and like I said, he went on to make five movies with, with Kinski. The, those five movies are um, Aguirre, Wrath of God, which we'll talk about in a second. Nosferatu. Uh, Wojcik, and then Fitzcarraldo, and then the final one, Cobra Verde. Um, But Aguirre, Wrath of God is a descent into madness. It's the uh, search for the lost city of gold. And it's uh, so many of Herzog's films are based on true stories. Mm. Um, So it's these Spanish conquistadors that are looking for the city of lost gold and how they eventually kind of erode. And, you know, like Richard Stanley wanted to do with um, Moreau, Kinski or uh, Herzog shoots like on location in these beautiful locations, much to, you know, the dismay of like the cast and crew because it's super dangerous. Like he doesn't necessarily put uh, safety first. He puts safety last. And there are times in this movie in all of the movies that he's made, specifically her, uh, Wrath of God and um, Fitzcarraldo, where people were just put at risk so easily. They could have died for, for many 
many moments in this. Uh, and and I'm not talking about what Kinski did to people on yeah, set. I'm yeah. talking about just the nature itself. The the one guy he hit in the head with the with the machete, like actually like left that guy a, a scar, even though the guy had a helmet on and everything. Um and and you know, he he taught your your documentary kind of bounces a little bit more than mine does. Mine is more focused on one film. Yours kind of sort of bounces around uh, through the different films that he talks about and everything. But ultimately, you know, the documentary is trying to get to the bottom of why did he keep working and working with why did Warner Herzog keep working with somebody who was so volatile and everything. And uh, the irony is, I think at the end of this documentary, even Warner Herzog himself doesn't even know there was just some sort of connection that the two had and they made beautiful, insane art together. But my favorite story of the, the Aguirre wrath of God was when fucking, uh, you know, Klaus Kinski threatens to basically walk and Warner Herzog basically has a rifle and he's like, you walk, I'm going to fucking put eight rounds in your fucking back and then one in my own fucking brain. Like, and, and you're, and we're done. And I think, I think that, I think the last part, I think the fact that he, he thought like eight rounds in you and one for myself, saving one for myself. I think, I think Klaus Kinski was like, Okay, he he thought this one out a little bit. I'm gonna I'm gonna reel it in a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, because Kinski had this reputation of going off all the time, all the time. And this is not just with with Herzog, with his other movies that he's made. He he's a very difficult actor to work with, uh, inflated ego, and like I said, you know, clearly undiagnosed issues. Uh, but because I'm like not someone in their right fucking mind just like snaps on a dime like that all the time. Like what Corey was talking about specifically about hitting this guy in the head with a sword. Um, the, the crew was taking a break from filming and they saw a bunch of like fruit and bananas and the, and they went wild because they hadn't eaten. <laughs> so they were starving. So they went over to the food to grab the food and her, uh, Kinski freaks out on them because they're they're grabbing the food, and he picks up a sword and he hits one of the guys in the head. But he's wearing his, he's wearing his conquistador helmet, so it dents that, puts a scar on the dude's melon, and is like throwing people around left and right, screaming obscenities. It's this is all on tape, by the way. Like most. Most of these stories are backed up with video evidence of of the volatile shit going on. And, you know, Herzog always kind of like maintained this calmness. And I feel like Herzog was deeply attracted. I don't necessarily talking sexually, yeah. but like deeply attracted to Kinski's energy yeah. and, and just uh, vibe. Well, you know, I, th- I think also, too, they, they, they elaborate when when Kinski, there, there's a scene I, I think in in what's it called Fitzgerald? What's it called? Oh, Fitzcarraldo. There's a scene in Fitzcarraldo where the boat crashes and uh, the camera guy actually like really fucks up his hand. Oh, and, he almost and, lost a finger. Yeah, and and there's you, it's all caught they on show camera. It. They show it and everything, but at that moment, you see Klaus Kinski and Werner Herzog kind of jump into like taking care of this guy. And it makes you wonder, like with Koskinski, like is it an act? Is it is it like a chemical thing? Is he is he is he bipolar or, or whatever? You know, we're, yeah. we're not try, we're not trying to armchair diagnose or anything like that. No. Um, but it was also nice to see 
when the time came, he became a human being and helped out this guy. And you could even, they even showed him like he was putting the bandages on. You could tell he was like being very like gentle and sensitive. And you're like, this man is a maniac in one second. And the next second later, he's genuinely caring for this guy's hand and really trying to take care of him, you know? And you're just like, okay, I get it. This is a complicated human being right here. Complicated, but but my God, like the two of them working together created magic because Agiri, going back to Agiri, Wrath of God, there are moments where there's a scene where Herzog focuses his camera on Kinski's face. It's yeah. at the end of the movie when pretty much everything's been lost. Everything. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away because it, it's you just you got to see the whole thing to 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 like you'll be tripping balls on it, I'm sure, and you'll love it even more. Awesome. Um, awesome. But K- Kinski <laughs> is like the camera's focused on his face, and he's kind of talking about how he's gonna marry his daughter and have a child with his daughter. And like he's losing his mind, you know, and he will he will their child will be pure and all this shit. And he's like, I am the wrath of God. And you just like look at these dead eyes and it's fascinating, you know, Uh, and he's got this way of walking on camera that he came up with. It was just like a character trait Um, that this guy is like he's so becomes the character talking about Val Kilmer in the documentary about Richard Stanley being a method actor. Kinski was definitely a method actor, you know, to the point where he endangered people's lives though, you know, Uh, and and like, like you almost chopped that guy's head off with a sword. If the guy wasn't wearing a helmet, he would have been dead. Yeah. Um, But you know, a Gary Wrath of God was like, I think it was a perfect storm because at one point uh, Herzog shows this river that they shot on and he said at one point out of nowhere in a mere matter of minutes it can rise 40 feet and like they shot on this river which was so intense and there was such a high level of uh danger and i think that probably added to the mix of everything so they survived that right miraculously and they go and make um uh nosferatu I think was the next movie they did together, which was a remake of like you were saying earlier with German silent films. This is a remake of the German silent film. Max Schreck. And and in a way, Kinski as this vampire, like I love odd looking vampires. One of my favorite vampires is, uh, was from a Buck Rogers episode, space vampire. Okay. If you, I think you can get it on YouTube. Actually, I forget what the episode is called. But this space vampire is creepy as shit and takes uh, – what, what was, what was uh, Buck Rogers, Aaron Gray's character? What yeah. was her name? Yeah. Takes her, like, as a vampire. It's intense. Is it, uh, Wil- is it Wilma Deering? Wilma, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Wilma. My favorite space vampire is Matilda May. Well, of course she is, <laughs> for good reason. But yeah, uh, I can they, give you two good reasons why you like her so much. <laughs> yeah, buddy. But like, I wish they actually got more into Nosferatu in this one. Uh, that that's a that's an amazing movie with with him and everything. Um, but maybe there's just not as much to say there as as there was with everything else. I think so. I think that was kind of the whole point was that he didn't have as much to say because. Um, it was a calm shoot. 
And it was actually more of a mainstream film, too. Yeah, and also keep in mind, the whole time that we're talking about this, Warner Herzog himself directed this documentary. He created this documentary. So this is his point of view. And he even says it's, I think it's kind of a, supposed to be a counterpoint to Klaus Kinski's book that I think came out like in 92 or 91 or something like that, um, where... He Klaus Kinski doesn't paint Warner Herzog in the best light, but then Warner Herzog in this documentary discusses the fact that him and Klaus Kinski talked about in Klaus Kinski's book. Like he made, they, it was a conscious decision from both of them to make Warner Herzog a certain way in the book in order to just like Klaus Kinski like to sell you know sell books and everything. And also keep in mind too when this is being filmed, Klaus Kinski's already past so he is not alive to sort of you know talk about what we're what they're what Warner Herzog is is talking about here yeah th- that's interesting because you're, yeah what, what Corey was saying is uh, totally correct that they Kinski wrote this book I'm actually uh, considering buying the English uh, translated version just because I, I want to I'm fascinated by it um, yeah they sat around and invented crazy stories because they weren't, it wasn't going to make money in Kinski's view. It wasn't going to make money if it was all factual because it's boring. I don't know about that. Who knows? Because, <laughs> yeah, Herzog, clearly his perspective, he's portrayed in a very calm way throughout this entire thing. And you're like, there's no fucking way that this guy made the movies that he made, did the shit that he did, and was able to like be as calm as he was uh, on these on these sets because all hell was breaking loose. Not necessarily on Nosferatu or uh, Wojciech, but um, you know Fitzcarraldo definitely. Wojciech is interesting though because he 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 talks he kind of goes in timeline order like we're doing right now. Yeah, and he interviews the the, the female co-star of Wojciech. Her name's Eva Eva Matez, I think, and uh, and kind of talks about she had a very interesting relationship with Kinski. Uh, overall, she enjoyed working with him. But there's scenes in this. They show one specific scene where her character has had an affair uh, with uh, with with another was slept with another man, and and it's this one take. They filmed it in one shot, one take, and it's a masterpiece on on acting. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Yeah, if if you need to see just like what Klaus Kinski was all about, or you know why he was was who he was. This scene and 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 the movie here, the Warcheck that we're talking about, it's amazing. He's amazing. Yes, maybe he's a monster. Maybe he's a fiend behind the scenes. But when and Warner Herzog talks about all the ways he has to learn how to get the performance that he wants out of out of Koskinski, and it almost becomes this this dance that they do where Koskinski has so much energy in him that that Warner Herzog has to learn ways to burn that energy off at first so he can get you know get a better performance out of him and then at the same time Koskinski sort of needs Warner Herzog to push his buttons in order to burn that energy in order to get a better performance, you know, after the energy is burned, it's it's fascinating. But this one scene that they show in its entirety, it's a one-take scene, one camera, one take. 
I'm, I mean, fuck, dude. I, I had no investment in the movie, but I was invested in that scene when I was watching it to the point where I forgot that I was watching a documentary. I was just watching that scene. Yeah, his movies do that. They they just, you know, bring you in so intimately and by the, and you're just engrossed into the whole thing. Um that the the female actress uh, Eva Matez, she she um she talks about how she won an award for her performance and how he was so happy for her for this award and um it, like she kind of talked about a softer side to to Kinski and that they when the when the filming was done she was like in tears because she was so sad she had such a emotional um you know connection to this film and then she's walking he walks with her like to the hotel or something like that and they're holding hands and he's holding her while she's crying and she was talking about how how she just felt so comforted by him you know and it's an interesting counterpoint uh, cause we'll talk about some things in a little while that are not so great about him, uh, outside of the practically killing people, but they also interview, uh, Claudia, Car- Claudia Cardinal, who is a beautiful, uh, Italian actress who was in the movie, what, my favorite Western of all time, once upon a time in the West by Sergio Leone with Peter Fonda, Jason Robards, who is supposed to be in Fitzgeraldo, um, and, uh, Charles Bronson fucking awesome Western. It's if, if you've never seen it, Ennio Morricone did the music for it. It's just spectacular. She's the female lead in it. And like, you can't take your eyes off her cause she's just like so interesting to look at. And she gets interviewed for this. Uh, and she talks about <laughs> like the warmer sides to Kinski, right? <laughs> and I'm sure Herzog did that to show, give a little bit of a counterpoint. Yeah, um, I think I know. think so because he, but he also experienced all of it. He he experienced yeah. the warmth as well as the pain of of knowing you know Klaus Kinski and and, and knowing him so intimately and everything. And I mean, just the their relationship alone is interesting. Um, I don't think there's that many pairings. Like, art is kind of the only place you sort of find relationships like this and everything. And I think at a certain level, you know, Warner Herzog, like, understood him. And I think Klaus Kinski understood understood Warner Herzog. And they, they sort of knew what to do and what buttons to push. That doesn't mean that everything was hunky-dory, obviously. But I, I don't... You can tell even Warner Herzog doesn't know how to approach the 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 memory of Klaus Kinski in this documentary because I think he himself is conflicted because, yes, he talks about, I mean, I'd say almost like 70% of the documentary is how horrible Klaus Kinski is. <laughs> but he ends it, and we're not, you know, we're not ending the review right now, but he ends it on a very positive note with Koskinski with this like butterfly and everything. And it was just, you have to That's basically fascinating. It's fascinating. That's you have fascinating. To, you have to see it. It's very interesting. Um, I think it was it's what, so uh, it was, it was a Cobra Verde that it was filmed on or was it, um, that might've been Fitzcarraldo. Okay. I think. Okay. 
And so this butterfly just is was in love with Klaus Kinski, and he was like use, touching his feet. He was very delicate and gentle with it. And I think it says a lot that that Warner Herzog ended it with that scene and that that shot and everything. And I think that's important because I don't think there was a lot of of like I do think that it's true. Like I think it was, their relationship was probably seventy percent volatile, but I think that thirty percent. And I think a lot of people who know people like this, that 30% when the person is on your side, it's it's everything. It feels amazing to finally have this volatile person like, you know, be friends with you. And, and it's just it's an interesting idea. And I've, I have friends. I have a friend that's sort of this way and and it's like you sort of have to just take it with a grain of salt and you have to choose how much energy you want to give them and we don't have a relationship like this but i think warner herzog he he chose to give klaus kinski his energy and everything and and even he doesn't know why that's what makes this uh documentary so interesting i mean he knows why like that klaus kinski is, is an amazing actor but he doesn't know why that like he allowed him to do so much abuse to him you know essentially well, yeah, the, like that butterfly scene you're talking about is is fascinating on many levels because I've never seen a butterfly do what that butterfly does in that scene. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. Like, like I'm going, what is going it, on? That butterfly is literally in love with Klaus Kinski, and it's it's, it's interesting. It is really wild. Uh, but then you 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 flip that you flip that coin. On the set of Fitzcarraldo. Yeah, the same which, set, same set. Which originally was supposed to, Jason Robards was supposed to be in that with Mick Jagger. It was a 20th Century, 20th Century Fox film, I believe. Uh, and it was supposed to have this huge budget. And it was supposed to go one, I mean, if you think about it now, what they did on set, what they did for this movie with Jason Robards and Mick Jagger would have been wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but it didn't work out that way. And Kinski ended up, you know, filling, uh, Jason Robards got sick. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, Mick Jagger, I think pulled out. So that's what, that's why, uh, Herzog filled the void, uh, for his friend. But, you know, there's, there's moments on set. He's arguing with, uh, like the like producer, I yeah. think yeah. screaming at him about the food that they're that and it's it's such a like a little bitch moment where you're like what do you you're clearly doing this you're mugging for the camera Herzog's not doing anything he's just letting it go just letting the scene because go even on. he even he says he's like he was kind of happy that the the anger wasn't directed at him so he was like I'm just going to sit this one out right he there's they're like they're on look they're on set uh, you know, on there's lo- like on location in Peru or wherever. Yeah, there's there's l- local natives there uh, who were in the film who were like terrified because this they don't this is not how they ever interact. You know, and Kinski doesn't give a fuck about those guys it, because apparently in their native culture they don't raise their voices and they don't like do like they don't express anger in that way. But he did say that they were, they were afraid, but they weren't afraid of Klaus Kinski. They were afraid of Warner Herzog because he was so calm during this explosion, you know, to the point where they were like, I think they looked up to him and they even asked him, do you want us to kill Klaus Kinski? Because we will. 
And, and I think Werner Herzog kind of considered it. Because Klaus Kinski, Klaus Kinski almost killed somebody on that set with a rifle. Yeah. Shot bullets into a, into a room and it almost killed somebody. It shot off somebody's middle finger. Yes. <laughs> you need your middle finger. <laughs> I mean, the guy was a the highest degree of a risk on set, but yet, yet he's he's in over two hundred and thirty six movies. So clearly, they people wanted him. Because when they show scenes of Aguirre, Wrath of God, and I've never seen it, I immediately was like, where, where is this? I think it's on Tubi for free, so I'm going to watch it. Oh, it really? Looks, it looks oh. so fascinating. And, 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 and Klaus Kinski looked fascinating. And I get it. He's got a face. He's got that look. There's something so interesting about him. The, the camera loves him. It's, you know, everything you say. But... It's there. It's true. Like, it's all there for him. It's all there, and it's 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 wild because, f- first of all, like, Tubi has commercials, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, man. Because you've really got to, like, if you can find it without commercials, you got to watch it without commercials because it really would. I think it interrupts the flow. I think I think it's on Amazon, but I don't know if it's Prime. I'll, I'll have to check. I would okay. prefer, yes, to watch it without commercials. Yeah, because it's, it's one of those movies – that the, the music is everything about it, atmospheric, everything. Uh, the sound of a bird, like the birds chirp. It just, it's so creepy. But yeah, he, <laughs> I mean, he delivered, right, for the movies that he was in. Um, Fitzcarraldo, it's so weird because, yeah, on that one moment, they show him going off and the villagers wanting to kill him, the, the locals. And then, and then the next moment, like you said earlier, the cameraman, uh, you know, they're they're using this this old ass riverboat down this this like Amazonian river that is like it almost split the boat in half at one point. It capsized in another point. Someone yeah. almost died. Yeah, you know, and uh, because people did die in, on set, um, and. <laughs> It's so fucking wild. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the cameraman almost loses a finger. And you see, yeah, you see Kinski and Herzog jump in to help. And Kinski is so, like, sensitive and wanting yeah. to do the first aid himself. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and you can tell that he's doing it delicately. He's doing yeah. it with care, you know? Yeah, and, like, so caring for him. It's also, too, I'm fascinated because Kinski apparently was a huge germaphobe. Like, uh, yeah. Apparently. But yeah, he's working. Like, look at the locations he's working in. Yeah. You know, like he didn't want to get dirty at all, right? Really, because he. But then he's working in these mo- these these locations that are clearly not going to support that. Um, and then he doesn't have like he's he's uh, he can't stand like animals. You know, at one point, in, in <laughs> you see him in a Geary Wrath of God, like pick up a monkey and throw it. Yeah, he I'm did. sure the monkey was fine i hope I, i'm sure uh, but that, that monkey when he picked that monkey up that monkey looked terrified that monkey <laughs> looks at the camera and he reaches out his like, arm help help me <laughs> that was not uh PETA approved i'm sure no and then in Wojciech, he um 
he he's making out with his uh with, with his co-star in the scene in the scene of the movie by the way he totally grabbed her in the cooch oh like, okay. like, oh yeah i'm like <laughs> oh, yeah. jesus guaranteed that wasn't rehearsed <laughs> that was not rehearsed um but yeah he's making out with his co-star in the scene and there's like a cat on them or whatever he picks up the cat and he throws it's like a bengal cat yeah. which i love bengal cats are beautiful they have opposable mm-hmm. thumbs they can literally open up cabinets with their paws it's fascinating my brother had one uh throws the cat on the like throws it yeah it's like dude fuck you man don't you dare hurt an animal ever uh but yeah he was wild like that that alone fitzcarraldo you think after fitz fitzcarraldo uh almost ended their relationship and they took a break for for quite some time um because after they made fitzcarraldo was made in like 82 and they made one they made cobra verde in 87 five years later yeah so they took a break from each other yeah um that movie almost way way zach was uh 1979 yeah like they did they did agiri nosferatu and i think it's i think it's wojcik i think it's uh, wojcik okay yeah but um but they did those movies back to back to back pretty much uh but burden of dreams obviously explores fitzcarraldo more specifically this this has elements of burden of dreams in it. So you're, you're seeing the juicy mo- moments where they literally are trying to hoist this boat over the mountain. Yeah. And, and Herzog, you can't tell if uh, Kinski's in character or it's just him as an actor. And he's freaking out like, look, you're doing it. Yes, it's happening. Oh my God. You know, um, it's just such wild shit. And so they take a break from each other. And then they don't see each other for for many years. They see each other again at what Telluride, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, a uh, film like festival. A, a film festival. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And when they embrace each other, like so, Kinski's in the middle of talking to some producer or whatever, and then Herzog walks up from behind him and grabs him like you would grab your your spouse. Yeah. And like makes out with him practically. I, yeah, I mean, the love is is definitely there, and it's like. You can feel it. It's it's, <laughs> it's, pal- it's palpable. You know, it's it's these these two men have literally been through war together, and 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 seventy percent of it was between the two of them. You know, but there's this love there. It's the title of this documentary is perfect. My best fiend. Like again, I said it before, but you can tell when Werner Herzog is making this movie, he you can tell he doesn't know where to land he is this movie about how much he hates klaus kinski or how much he loves klaus kinski it's neither it's both it's together it's everything it's it has no clear cut other than i'll say him leading him ending it with that butterfly thing i think is telling i think there might be more love than hate especially in a you know eight years after his death sort of looking back and everything you know I, I yeah um because because what what happens after Telluride they they kind of go into Cobra Verde uh and 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 go into more detail about that set and the issues that Kinski had with the locals in that movie by the way there's a there's a scene in that movie that they show and there's a big ass like cobra snake on the ground a real cobra where he and kicks Kinski it kicks it with his foot his yeah. bare foot bare foot bare foot this this dude does not like animals yet that butterfly fell in love with him 
and this is supposed to be a guy who like doesn't like he's a germaphobe or whatever. And I mean, it's fucking wild to me. I'm like, yeah. damn, this guy is off. He's unhinged. It, it um, reminds me of <laughs> guys and gals. Go watch the first. I think it's the first. If it's not the first, it's like the first two or three episodes of uh, Little House on the Prairie. I think it's the first. But where the youngest one, uh, what, Laura Ingalls or whatever, is running through the prairie. And their family friend, the guy with the beard, you know, he's like, Laura, stop. And she and he fucking shoots a rattlesnake because she's about to, like, sort of run into it. But it's like, you know, the 70s. So it's a real fucking rattlesnake getting its head exploded on television. It's <laughs> Jesus insane. Christ. I never saw that. I don't think I ever watched Little House on a Prairie. Uh, so when I worked at the video store, uh, the owner slash manager, Lenny, uh, he was this super tough guy, uh, super nice, loved the guy like an older brother, would never want to get in a fight with him because he would fucking kill me. But his favorite fucking show was Little House on the Prairie. And he went, you know, he got the, the DVD box sets. And, like, we would watch some here and there. I fucking hated that show. But I remember, like, like you know, what, like, late 90s, early 2000s, watching the first episode with him and watching a, ra- a real rattlesnake's head get exploded. I mean, that that's wild. <laughs> that's wild. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just want to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. We wrestled the demon Pazuzu in The Exorcist. Your mother is in here, Karis. Would you like to leave a message? I'll see that she gets it. We hooked the fisherman killer, Ben Willis, and I know what you did last summer. Oh, you got a letter? I got run over, Helen gets her hair chopped off, Julie gets a body in her trunk, and you get a letter. That's balanced. We survived a summer away with the angel of death, Angela Baker, in sleepaway camp. Look what I did. I packed you and your cousin some goodies for the ride up to camp. Wasn't that nice of me, hmm? But we ain't seen nothing yet. Join Alex and Dean of the Return Revenge Resurrection Podcast as we go toe-to-toe with the ever-resourceful Michael Myers. I shot him six times! Be there as we discuss the Halloween franchise in its entirety, from John Carpenter's beloved 1978 classic through David Gordon Green's epic forthcoming finale. I shot him in the heart! We cover it all, the good, the bad, and the bloody. Return Revenge Resurrection, a podcast that slashes its way through horror movie franchises. You don't know what death is. New episodes every Thursday, available wherever podcasts are found. I told everyone! And now, back to the show. I mean, it's wild. Like, But but then again, I think I've said wild probably more times in this brief episode than I think I've said in any of our previous ep- previous breakdowns. This documentary is wild. Dude, it's just you're not the whole wrong. thing. <laughs> it's... Uh, it's like little things, too, that, you know, I, I said that the, the couple that he meets in the beginning looks super uncomfortable when they're on camera. These are like kind of side notes to me that I thought were amusing. Uh, Herzog will have the camera pointed on him and he'll just be looking at the camera while the narr- while he's narrating himself, but he's not talking. It's, it's just, you know, it's the narrations playing over. and he's just looking at the camera and it's very uncomfortable. Um, there's a hilarious moment. He interviews uh, a, a 
a photographer, oh, this guy named Beat Presser. Yeah, when when they're like they laugh about something, so they're talking about something with Klaus Kinski, and they laugh, but then the camera looks at the the photographer, and then photo- the photographer just stops laughing and just looks at the camera like, "What am I supposed to be doing?" That yeah, was it's so really weird. weird. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so uncomfortable. Almost like he didn't think that he didn't realize the camera was on, and suddenly he did. Yeah. Uh, but I, I know, can totally see Warner Herzog being like, we're going to keep that because it's so real. <laughs> yes, totally. It's exactly what Herzog does. Um, you know, Herzog, again, like the guy has made, he made a docu- documentary called Caves of Dreams or something like that, uh, where it's, where like he goes into these, these beautiful caves. It's so meditative. His films are very meditative. Mm, but to know the flip yeah yeah yeah, to 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 but the flip side of knowing what went on behind the scenes i know we talked about in the in the beginning but going back to a geary wrath of god um that's a movie that you know you could have with the sound off because it's got subtitles you read the subtitles and you can put on some trippy music to watch just you know while you're watching the movie um, uh, real, sorry, real quick. Um, yeah. It's Cave of Forgotten Dreams, uh, 2010. Yeah, you. Everybody should go check that out. That is a beautiful documentary. Grizzly Man. If you've never seen it, it it's like. Is that the guy that lives that lived with bears, grizzly bears, but then got killed by one eventually? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because the guy was like a, you know, he's trying to make a name for himself. Yeah. And, and you know, I. Side note, I was just at the uh, Natural History Museum like about a week ago with my son, and I'm reading about brown bears and grizzly bears and how they're like the most gentle creatures. Just don't fuck with them. (laughs) Just don't fuck with them. You know, this guy, this guy like got in a little too deep, but it's a that's a fascinating documentary with an amazing soundtrack, too, by the way. Um, Yeah, but but, he directed. Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. He sure did. That's wild. That's With a... Nicolas Cage. Yeah, that's fucking wild. I did it for the, the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. And yeah, real it. quick, uh, Grizzly Man, two thousand and five. Yeah, and I think I think uh, you know Herzog. I think a lot of people know Herzog right now from his acting. Right, from... he did a really good job on The Mandalorian, uh, dude. I don't like how, why? Like, even like when he was on Mandalorian, why? I was like, yeah, why are you here? I mean, I'd love him. I think he was great, but like, why did he show up on the Mandalorian? Well, I've heard, I've heard stories about, um, so for those that don't know, you know, when I was a teacher, I had a lot of, um, like high profile parents, uh, of my students and one of them being Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer was a was a parent of mine uh, in my class, and and he and I became I became friendly with the whole family. Uh, but he told a story about how he went to visit Warner Herzog in his home, and how Warner Herzog like was not the guy that's portrayed on camera, like in in a in a in a better way. Like okay, it's like super jovial and you know much more kind of uh, silly. There's a silly side to Herzog. He's friends with Herzog, and and I'm like. Can, can you set that up for me so I can meet the man? Cause... Well, and, and I think that goes back to the very beginning of the movie where he's talking to those two people that, uh, you know, that own now his, his house that he grew up in as a child. 
I think that was a very important thing to put into the movie because you really see how warm, how nice, how cordial he is to people. He 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 when he was talking to them, he has no ego, you know, and no. you know that they have to know he's Warner Herzog. Like that that's a he's a huge name, but he just seems so easy to get along with at that moment. And I think I think that's a part of his personality that probably is not cultivated by the media, but I think that might be, you know, his actual probably his personality, you know? Yeah, and and trust trust me, I'm not saying the guy's not quirky. Uh, there's a moment in this when he pulls out this little diary yeah. that he was writing notes in, and the and he the font is is microscopic. Yeah, what he's writing, and uh, I think it's I feel like it's Claudia Cardinale. It's one of his female stars that he had in his movies. Uh, it, she's like, you should make that into a book. He's like, no, no, that's. You know, this is for my own my own eyes. But but Kinski was uh, maniacally obsessed with wanting to know what he was writing in that book at all times, <laughs> at all times. In that microscopic book, yeah. microscopic. It, it's tiny. So, it's, it's fucking it, tiny. It is tiny. It, and so the movie, you know, like Corey said, it, it it ends with this beautiful butterfly shot. But prior to that is like the final scene of Cobra Verde where his character basically gets consumed by the ocean and, and dies. Um, and that was like the last time they saw each other after that. And they, they, they wrap up that story. Kinski died in 91. Uh, he lived in the, in the, in San, outside of San Francisco. Uh, I think it may be in Sonoma. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. I think but, north, um, north of San Francisco. Yeah. North of San Francisco. But, you know, his relationship with uh, Herzog's relationship with Kinski is 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 wild. You guys should definitely watch it before we kind of button this up. Uh, Kinski, let's button up Kinski specifically because Kinski, uh, an article came out not that long ago about a side of Kinski that doesn't really surprise yeah, so um, his eldest daughter, and you were right, by the way, um, Tasha Kinski in Cat People is his daughter. I don't know if it's her that wrote this. I don't think it's her. Um, but there was, you know, his eldest daughter wrote a uh, you know autobiography about herself, and apparently uh, Klaus Kinski, uh, you know, sexually abused her from a very young age for for a while, like till she, you know, I think she was like eighteen or nineteen or fifteen, whatever. Um, and yeah, it's it's you know, it's 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 horrible to say, but when that you know that came out, it's like yeah, I I, I can probably see that happening. You know what I mean? Just because he's such a chaotic individual and everything um and of course she put it out after his death so he can't you know he, he can't comment on it so we have to take that but i'm inclined to to to, to believe her you know in, in this and but this goes to the bigger discussion that we always have of you know where do we draw the line on artists and and you know where do we where do we you know separate the artist from the the art and yada 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 and I don't know what the right answer is but we Zach and I knew going into this discussion that we were gonna have to bring this up no matter what. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's controversial, uh, but the guy's a, was a controversial guy prior to that, and some might say just like, you know, you think of you think of actors who uh, throw fits on set. For, for various reasons and act like maniacs. 
uh, but yet you still love the movies that they do, right? And, and the performances. Uh, another side note quickly that he, he, he lived in Longanitas, California. I only know that for the beer. I'm like, I didn't even realize <laughs> yeah. that was a place. I didn't either. I didn't uh, either, bro. <laughs> so, so there you go. And he died at the... <laughs> Died at the age of 65. But, you know, if, if you're if you are inclined and you can remove yourself from whatever personal shit was going on with him um, and you're interested in some of his movies, I highly recommend The Great Silence. And like I said, it may come up eventually. Um, and definitely in my book, I would recommend seeing. Um, Aguirre, Wrath of God, and Fitzcarraldo. If you're gonna if you're gonna watch one Herzog, do Aguirre. If you're gonna watch two, go for uh, Fitzcarraldo. How, how is Cobra Verde? It's good. I own all of them. Um, Anchor Bay put out a beautiful box set, like the Herzog Kinski collection. Um, oh, that's okay. where I got this deep this documentary. The documentary is hard to come by, actually. Um, I, I know you can rent it on YouTube. Uh, it might be available on Amazon prime. I'm not sure. I had to find Corey, uh, uh a used DVD version cause there's no Blu-ray out of it. You yeah. don't need a Blu-ray for a documentary. No, guys. It's no, like, no, it this, looks cooler. This, it's smaller back. Box, yeah, no, but, you know. this doesn't need a Blu-ray or anything, but I do appreciate you, uh, you getting me a physical copy of this. Um, dude, this documentary was like a master craftsman documentary. And obviously it's Warner Herzog. So we, we know that going in, um, but it's so, it's so very different than the lost soul documentary that we discussed uh, two weeks back. Um, it, that one, obviously we said is, is very focused on one particular film um, and it's not done by the actual, you know, creator or anything. This here is made by Warner Herzog. You know, this is his documentary. This is on his IMDb and everything like that. Um, but it's it's so different. But it's so it's very fascinating. Both of them. It's apples and oranges. You know what I mean? Like they're they're so very different documentaries. But I. I will probably rewatch this multiple times um, for different reasons than I'm going to rewatch Lost Soul for multiple times. This is just such an insight into it's not the creative process and it's not the creative energy, but it's an insight into, I guess, maybe the byproduct of a high creative energy, maybe coupled with a mental um, uh, or, 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 uh, you know, a, a thing, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm not trying to be like disparaging or anything like that, but no, uh, coupled no. with possibly like mental health issues or something. Um, I'm sure somebody's diagnosed him post humor humorously and everything. Um, I mean, let, let's, let's be honest. It, what we know now psychologically was so different way back then. Yeah. You know, yeah. way back then it was, it was, it was just look differently upon and so i i just feel like uh in some ways i'm I'm like well there has to be otherwise the guy is just an asshole you're, you're just an asshole at this point yeah, yeah no he he has so much energy in him and so much creativity in him klaus kinski did um that i i it has to be something else than him just being an asshole well, um, like like I, like i said in the beginning of the of this episode he as a as a young child, uh, teenager filling his room up with leaves and nothing else, 
and like wanting to live that way. It's just so bizarre. It's yeah. so weird. Uh, but but you, this is you, also yeah. not just a look into Klaus Kinski. Yeah. It's a look into Werner Herzog. Totally. And, it, and it's a look into their friendship. And ultimately, that's the hook of this of this documentary. And, and that's also, you know, where it really shines is is when Werner Herzog is talking about his friend, not about his, you know, coworker or whatever. I, I, I think it's a compl- uh, it's, it's a complicated energy. It's a complicated relationship. And the documentary tries to, to, I, I feel for Werner Herzog. Yeah. You can tell he's trying to just sort shit out in this documentary. And of course he's doing it after his, you know, friend slash enemy slash creative partner has passed. So he's has to look at everything, you know, retrospectively because there are no new memories at this point coming forward. So it's, it's, I think the thing I can probably say the, the most is that there's a lot of heart in this and a lot of love, even though he portrays a lot of hate I think he's trying to give you a complete picture, but I think at the end of the day, he being Warner Herzog, but I think at the end of the day, he's trying to give you a complete picture out of love as opposed to giving you a complete picture out of hate. Like he, I think ultimately where he lands is that he loves Koskinski and that he, he, you know, loves the history they have together. If not the, you know, the moments that they spent together were a bit volatile, but I think at the end of the day, this is this documentary is about love, and I think the title is perfect. My best fiend. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, first of all, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I'm glad you're considering watching it more than once. I this is probably my fourth time I watched it, um, and I always get something new out of it every time. And that guy, the the photographer's face, gets me every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, that was so, so weird. weird. <laughs> he just so weird. he looks at the camera and goes from like laughing smile to just a flat dead face <laughs> on camera. It happens in front of your eyes for no reason because they go so, on and keep talking. But that moment is really weird. So uncomfortable and awesome at the same time. Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, this this movie is is not going to be everybody's cup of tea. But if you are a if you're if you're a cinephile uh, and you appreciate uh, true artists and not just Hollywood, uh, you know, mainstream, then you'll really enjoy this. At, from a dramatic perspective, I think you'll be blown away because this is this is uh, Kinski's behavior. I think possibly was staged at times on his behalf. Like he's in front of the camera, he's gonna do his thing. However, what transpired on film was not staged. The accidents that happen on on set were not staged. All this stuff is legit. So it's 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 really fascinating. And can I just say that like my notes at the beginning of the documentary, my note on Klaus Kinski was, oh, this dude needs to get checked. He just needs to get fucking popped in the nose. <laughs> But by the end of this documentary, I didn't want that to happen. Like, I I think Werner Herzog, again, master craftsman. 
he played my emotions the he, I my emotions were exactly what he wanted from this documentary. He wanted me to start out by hating Klaus Kinski because he starts with that that volatile tour that Jesus tour that he did. He starts with that, but he ends with the butterfly. And I think that the journey we all go on is the journey that he went on, which is I hate this motherfucker. But by the end of it, you're like, fuck, you know, like he's still a piece of shit, but there's something about him that's genuine, you know, and, and, you know, the thing with his daughter aside, you know, we don't obviously condone that in everything. And, and obviously, again, we said he, he's not here to defend himself or rebuke or rebuttal anything, but I still take her, I, I take her as truth, you know, I'll take that as truth. Um, but it doesn't take away the fact that the performances that he puts on screen that I've only seen through this documentary are powerful. And I can see why Klaus Kinski was who he was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the opening is actually kind of comical in ways because <laughs> he's like having a meltdown on on stage and people are trying to like get him off stage and he's like whipping the microphone away from them and like pushing a dude yeah. back and there was like and that, then, that, that dude that he pushes back was like a foot taller than him and i was like dude pop him just yeah. fucking pop him well i think that guy tried to and then the security guard there's a security guard in the back like yeah. holding him back so <laughs> yeah. it's really funny it's you're like what the hell is going on and then you cut to the rest of the movie um yeah, it's it's a beautiful balance of a lot of emotions and uh, definitely worth the, the the ride that you will go on watching it. And again, I brought this to the table because, you know, as much as I love uh, everything from Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man to, uh, you know, Death Spa, I also love artistic as fuck uh films like you know a gary wrath of god like that that spans the gamut for both of us you know yeah and so this is like a little bit of oh this is a nice departure but still very much in the cult genre because klaus kinski you know personal life aside is a uh, is a cult icon in in cinema and herzog is definitely has a has a cult following too yeah no, I'm I'm super glad I watched this, dude. I I found it to be fascinating, and I absolutely loved it. So, thank you for for bringing it to the the show. These uh, two documentary episodes. This this month of our documentaries. I I very much enjoyed, dude. It was a nice you know nice little break, nice little departure of what we normally do. It gives us a little bit of a of a recharge and everything. It also makes me think a little bit about our Patreon show that we do. Uh, for those of you that are curious and, and don't already know, we have a Patreon-exclusive show, a tour de force show uh, with The Carpenter Factor, where we're breaking down. We're not breaking down, but we're having a free-form discussion about every single one of John Carpenter's movies right now. Very similar discussion in a sense where, you know, we, we have this free-form open uh, kind of discussion about the movies uh, of John Carpenter. So we're doing that right now on our Patreon. If you're not a Patreon subscriber, please consider joining and becoming one. Uh, not only that, but maybe you're like, list. we're listing off these movies that Herzog's done, 
Kinski's done and you're like, you guys should really break down blah, blah, blah. Well, if you want to suggest a movie to us, sign up at our highest tier on our Patreon, like Robert Ortiz has and Aaron Don Gilmer and Crystal has as well. And you can suggest a movie that we will break down on the show. Um, There's a lot more, a lot more on there. I don't want to, you know, drive it home too much, but uh, yeah, definitely look, check out our Patreon exclusive content and go to our Patreon page for that stuff. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a good point. And uh, the, the, these two episodes are kind of almost sort of like what we do with uh, the Carpenter factor, uh, except we, we, we actually like sort of compare the movie with other movies that he's done and everything. But I wouldn't be surprised that, uh, you know, if we, we see Richard Stanley pop up on the uh, tour de force uh, series at some point, considering he, you know, he only has a handful of movies, we can get through that in uh, half a year. No problem. Uh, but the, this, I definitely would like to tackle, uh, if not on the show in my personal life, I would like to actually dive into, um, Agiri, Wrath of God. I want to watch that, but I want to watch it more in a proper setting without commercials. Um, uh, I want to watch Cobra Verde and uh, was it uh, Fitz Fitzgerald? Fi- <laughs> what's it called? What's it called? Fitzgeraldo. Fitzgerald. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah dude if anything this this documentary my best fiend made me want to go watch those movies that they talked about here so i I appreciate you bringing this to the show and i appreciate everyone who uh you know supports the show and everything and uh you know if you like what we do obviously as zach said you know go check out our patreon page but uh a free way to help out the show is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If it's Apple Podcasts, you know, it'd be great if you left us, like, you know, an actual blurb or whatever. But just rating us five stars, you know, does a, a huge help. Same same for Spotify. And, and please do the same thing for $2 late fee and uh, everything else on the on the BFOP network that we have here. Um, it's it's It goes a long way to, uh, to you know help out the show and everything and a free way to help out all the shows. Um, but Zach, uh, what's, what you got? We're wrapping up August now. So what do you have coming in September for $2 late fee? Oh, very excited. Very excited. We have, uh, Craig Saffin, who is the movie composer for the last starfighter. Oh, nice. Yep. Directed by Nick Castle. Right. And also composed the theme, the, also composed the score for Remo Williams. Uh, Craig Saffin also composed the score for The Legend of Billie Jean. Oh, love mm-hmm. that movie. And he also composed uh, a very important track for the movie Thief, directed by Michael Mann, starring mm. the late James Caan. Rest in peace. Oh, Jesus so, Christ. I'm, we got we to gotta get used to saying the late James Caan. My God. I know. And, yeah, and, so... Uh, and Dustin, side note, Michael Mann might be another uh, uh, auteur that we, we, we tackle on a tour de force. Oh, yeah. Wait till you hear Craig Saffin's take on Michael Mann. <clears throat> <laughs> um, but I will. But but this coincides with our uh, another episode in September. We're covering Thief by Michael Mann and Craig Saffin's song, which is featured at the end of the movie. Uh, it's it's badass. It's not Tangerine Dream did the soundtrack to Thief, yeah, but yeah. Craig Saffin 
uh, composed this final track, which is, oh, it's so good. Yeah. Wait till you hear it. Uh, but yeah, Craig Saffin was a great guest on our show. So we September is going to be uh, Craig Saffin and Thief. Nice. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> How about you over at Cartwright? You're wrapping things up on Cartwright. We are. We are. By I Probably by this point, we're recording so early. Probably by this point, we are close to, if not already, wrapped up Cartwright. Uh, or Seinfeld, I should say. Uh, Adam and I are still going through Curb Your Enthusiasm and everything. But uh, we did nine seasons of the show about nothing. And not going to lie... It's still my favorite sitcom of all time. I know awesome. I know Zach loves it. It's it's funny. We you and I we talk offline. We do, you know, we'll send Seinfeld gifs to each other or whatever, but you know, we don't talk about Seinfeld too much on here, but you you love your Seinfeld. I sure do. It's so funny cuz over at $2 and I'll bring up something and Dustin's like you've never talked about this ever to in our relationship and I'm like yeah, because I'm too busy talking about the stuff that's content for the show. So that's that's probably why. Yeah, guys and gals, when uh, when one of your close friends also becomes like your co-host, your relationship then becomes more about like the, the show that you're producing and everything. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, Seinfeld, we both love it. It's a great show. Go oh, check it's out so good. Car- <laughs> go check out Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. Uh, go check out, of course, Tudor Lafey. Uh, we, we love Dustin as you all heard in the uh, the fucking Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. And uh, we're going to do it every year. We're going to do a, a, a crossover event every year. It's and his I, pick next year. It's his pick next year. I can't wait to see what he picks. But I love it, man. I love I love the uh, crossover event that we, we do. It's fantastic. But uh, check out all the friends of, of the network. Check out uh, Ready to Retro. Check out Kenobe by our pal Diallo oh, yeah. from TV Obscure. Check out Manic uh, Movie Monday. Check out Give Me Back My Action Movies. Give Me Back My Horror Movies. Check out our pal Donna of the Dead. Uh, by the way, she, she I think I believe she also worked at a video store too, so maybe you guys oh. can uh, talk to her cool. one day about that. Uh, a lot of us worked at video stores back in the day. Well, Aaron Don Gilmer was just on our uh, an episode of Tales from the Video Store, which is on our Patreon, and she... she um... Ooh, baby. She tell a crazy story. <laughs> you got to listen to it, guys. David Irons is going to be on, too. So uh got to come check out Tales from the Video Store on our Patreon. That's awesome. And, of course, check out everything David Irons got going on. Check out fucking Seven Winters Alone. Don't go to wheelchair camp. Uh, all the other fucking a million fucking books he's got going on. It's, he's, he's very prolific. I believe David's writing another book, Scarlet Fever. AKA Scarlet, I love you, or Baroness, I love you more. <laughs> there you go. And as always, we will catch you on the most horrible dark side of nature. Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer.
Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human, something always watching, something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide if you were haunted for seven winters alone? Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone, a dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook.